Do you want to start it or no? If you want to, you can. Wait, what do I say? You can just say whatever your greeting is, and then welcome to the fourth another episode of Fourth Wall of the Podcast. Okay. Hey y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. I'm your boy, Corey Barrow. And I am Elena Newell. Yes. Y'all, y'all can't see her right now, but she looks like the girl off of um, Pole Express. The girl okay, with, the, uh, Corey, uh, with the plaid. I need you to mind your business. <laughs> with the, with I the need flat. you to mind your business. Um, anyway, back to the issue at hand. Today, we are speaking with a very, very special guest, Miss Selena Robinson. Yes. Selena is so cool. She is a um, performer, artist, and most recently, she has been working as a diversity and inclusion consultant for some of your favorite brands, including LaDuca Shoes. Come on. Come Corey, on. do you have LaDuca's? I don't. I will soon. I don't. I don't. But, you know, it's always been a dream. But, you know, with this coin that's coming with this pandemic, you know, if the pandemic's done one thing, it's given me a little coin. You know, okay. with this with this That's saved up coin, way. with this saved up coin, we gonna we gonna get some Laducas and we gonna get some Lulu. Yeah, y'all ain't gonna be able to tell me nothing. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember <laughs> like wanting Laducas so bad, and then realizing that like because I was not white, <laughs> that I was gonna pay like an extra hundred dollars on yeah. top of whatever the ridiculous price already was, just so that I can get something that matched my skin tone. Yeah, and I remember like that was one of the first times that I felt. Like, I realized, like, oh, like, because I am a black woman, like, I'm going to start at a disadvantage in this industry. Like, from the beginning. Like, it's set up for us to be. Um, and with the help of Selena, like, they have opened, started, they've launched a new set. Like, they uh, launched a palette yeah. of four different shades where you can get any style on the website at no additional cost in any Come of on. the shades you want. And that's, we love that. We love representation. We love representation. We have no choice but to stand representation. Okay. And that's what we talk about today in this episode. We're talking about not only LaDuca, but we're talking about just the importance of representation as a whole in the black mm -hmm. theater industry and why it means so much to all of us. And basically just how we're going to continue to just be black and blessed and unbothered. Yeah, we celebrate blackness today. We're a cel well, every day we celebrate blackness, but Period. right now we're really gonna celebrate it. And we're gonna get it to this episode because I know you're gonna be you're gonna leave with a smile. That's all I'm gonna say. You're gonna leave with a smile on your face. <laughs> Enjoy the episode, guys. Hey everyone, welcome back to Fourth Wall. Today, Corey and I are with Selena Robinson. <laughs> Selena, tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. Thanks. Hello, everyone. I'm Selena Robinson. She, her, hers pronouns. Um, I'm a recent college grad from the class of 2019. So I was just getting into the whole postgraduate world when the apocalypse hit. But Pre that, I was able to get some performing in. I did my first job at Hershey Park, and then I was doing my first regional theater contract at Arizona Broadway Theater, doing a production of Chicago when we got closed during our opening weekend. So that's on hold. Um, and while I'm auditioning, performing in between contracts, I work at the 
um, in the administrative office at American Ballet Theater. So I've called it kind of like a vacation swing where I kind of just jump from different department, different positions. So I've worked with the executive department, the development department, marketing, institutional support, patron services. I've done a little bit of everything at this point. Um, and now during the pandemic, I've been doing some diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting for a few different companies like Laduca Shoes and the Pan American Vicology Association. Um, and I've also been working for ABT remotely and helping out with their DEI initiatives as well. Let's go like all the way back. So like, how did you find the arts or how did the arts find you? like as a career in your life, just like at a, from your youngest age, you can remember. Yeah. So I'm a thousand percent a dancer first. I was in ballet classes as a little girl and I went to a preschool that was kind of like a performing arts preschool Ooh. where it was practically the studio and they had the preschool program, but it'd be like, we'd sew up our ballet shoe bags and we're always dancing. So I fell in love with dance at a very early age. Um, I took a little bit of a break when my family moved to London. I'm so mad at my parents to this day. Like they could have put me in the Royal Ballet School and instead I was playing soccer. So I'm so mad. But um, <laughs> we came back to the States and it wasn't until middle school where I was like, I don't like soccer at all. Like I don't like running or balls. So I want to go back to dance class. Um, and my parents signed me back up and it was just always such a great outlet for expressing myself to the point where I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. And I had a teacher come up and suggest that I audition for the Chicago Academy for the Arts for high school. Um, and I did. I went to school there as a dance major. I had my first musical theater experience during my senior year doing Ragtime, which was the all school musical. And I was like, wow, this is so much fun. And then after the first weekend, I couldn't talk because I'd never sung and danced and acted at the same time. And I was like, oh, wait, this is hard. It's still a lot of fun. Um, so from a very early age, I was always a dancer. I went to college originally. I was in the Ailey Fordham BFA program. So I was a dance major there. And I kind of always had my eyes set on the concert dance stage. Um, but when I got to Ailey, it was just wasn't the program for me, which came to a shock to many of my family members because Ailey is such a historic black institution and on paper, it looked like I was doing really well, but mentally and physically I wasn't. And it took a lot to decide that I needed to leave that environment if I wanted to keep a love in the arts. And so I decided to transfer I transferred to NYU's Gallatin School, which is just an expensive Build-A-Bear major kind of situation where I created my own major in the economics of the performing arts industry with an emphasis in concert dance and commercial theater. And I took a class called the Business of Broadway and I was hooked. It, it was over. Like every part of my life became Broadway obsessed. I joke that I became a theater kid like 10 years too late constantly like crying listening to show tunes I was always entering lotteries just wanting to completely immerse myself in this world that I felt like I was entering really late um, but I loved it and one of the things I felt like that I loved so much about it was as an art form it almost immediately felt more inclusive than 
at least the concert dance world that I had been a part of. I was so ballet focused. I was such a Trina and there are so many stereotypes and so many barriers to entry for ballet for black dancers, specifically black girls. So I dealt, I dealt a lot with all of that. And so to come into the theater world where it felt like, oh, my body is fine just the way it is. My skin for the most part is fine just the way it is compared to ballet. It was drastically different. And theater felt so inclusive compared to ballet because I could love myself just the way that I was. Um, and in that be able to discover more of who I am. I feel like I had spent so much of the art form I was involved with hating myself, wanting to change myself, whether it be subconsciously or just very consciously aware that my butt's too big, my thighs are too wide, I'm too curvy, I'm too muscular. Whereas in theater, it felt like I could just be. Yeah, that's super interesting just because like me and Corey like have like almost exclusively done theater. So like, I guess it hasn't, I never even like I, I, there was like a phase where I got really just interested in ballet. Not that I could do it because I'm not a good dancer, but like I got really interested in like the art form of it. And it never really occurred to me, like as we've been like having these talks on this podcast specifically about discrimination, like there are fields that are even more restrictive um, within the entertainment industry. Like there's like levels, there's like a hierarchy of, um, restriction and discrimination like that's just crazy that I've never even thought about that it's crazy you say that I didn't think about it till recently I was during the pandemic I was catching up on a lot of tv that I've missed throughout you know the year and one of my favorite shows is this is us and there was an episode where Beth's character you know went like a flashback to her life and it just talked about her like growing up um, wanting to be a dancer and like all the backlash that came with her being black, you know, just her body image issues. Just they like hit on it so much. And I really sat there and I was like, wow, just like I immediately started thinking about all of my dancer friends that I have and just thinking like, man, like it's not all like it's not all the pretty stuff you see on the stage. Like it's just there's so much more just like any other art form. There's just so much more that goes into it. And it's just wow. Like. Go us for, you know, sticking it out, you know, making it through <laughs> it because it, it can get crazy. It can get crazy. All right. So I'm glad we said that. So um, do you have any black artists who you looked up to growing up or even now that made you feel like I could do like you could do this, like you could do this for a career, make um, a living doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was really lucky to grow up in a studio where, I mean, the whole town I grew up in likes to be like, oh, we're so diverse. And it's like, there are maybe four of us. So congratulations, but not really. But I was lucky to go to a dance studio where there were black girls in the upper levels. So I was able to see them doing the lead variations and the shows at the end of the year. So that was a great way to normalize that for me. So as someone really little, I had local people to look up to. And I think it was after I transferred, I took like a three to six month break where I didn't do anything artistic at all. And I told myself my first dance class back is going to be a theater dance class. I walked my little butt to steps and they have the screens. And I saw Corey Pattenaud on the screen doing a Billy Griffin class. And 
I lost it. I am so amazed by her constantly. Everything that she does is flawless. Like she's stunning technique, stunning artistry. She's such an artist. And then she's also the nicest person in, in the entire world. So to see someone be so talented, so humble, so kind, so vulnerable on her social media, she talks a lot about Black Lives Matter and um, about to be a mother and what it means to bring a Black child into this world. And I think it's so amazing to see how human she is too. But it was definitely one of those moments where I saw someone who really looked like me, body-wise, shape-wise, hair, oh my God, hair goals. Her hair is stunning. Everything about her, I finally saw myself in and thought, okay, if I really put in the time and the effort and the energy, like I, I think I can do this. I have taken her class in person once and I'm definitely the person who isn't as brave to go up to my idols and say, hey, I love you. Um, and for my first job at Hershey, I was really scared if they asked me to wear a wig because no one ever ta taught me how to do theater wig hair. You Google it, the pin curls are not with 4C hair. So I was so lost. And my friend, one of my uh, friends from a ballet summer intensive, who's the bravest person ever, will like go out of her way to say hello to the most famous of people, went up to her in a class and said, my friend needs help with her hair. Is it okay if she Instagram messages you for help? And Corey was like, yeah, of course. And I, I lost it. I, I sent her a message. She was literally looking at pictures of my hair and we were talking about what products we use and like how she does her hair for shows and it was just such a welcoming moment where this person that i saw on a tv screen years prior inspired me to continue this musical theater route and really commit to it is now helping me with my hair for my first contract ever it was just kind of full circle in that sense but I would say that she's probably the person I'm currently most inspired by. You brought up some great points. Let's get into that a little bit. So just talking about um, no one really being there to, you know, help Black people in the performance industry, you know, teach them how to do their hair, or, like have like certain like ways or like, for instance, like they have makeup plots, but they're only for like the white actors. Just like, you know, what what do you guys feel is like, something we can do or like something that needs to be, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can we address that and make it, you know, make it okay. And like, make it, you know, the norm to have, you know, makeup sheets, wig people to do, you know, to prepare all people in this industry. Cause I've been through it a lot. Like I've had it. I've literally, I've had costumers or like hairdressers come up to me and say, okay, so we want your hair to do this. And it's literally, I'm like, how, how, baby, how? Because my my hair don't, my hair just doesn't do that. I'll never forget. I was in hair my freshman year of college, and <laughs> um, the lady who was doing costumes at the time literally came up to me on my first day, like first fitting, and touched my hair, like kind of picked at my hair. It was like, okay, so this is what you, we want your hair to do. We want it to be this big, yada yada yada. And I said, I said straight up, then I said, you know, I don't know if. I, I know my hair and I just don't think it can do that. And I'll never forget her saying, we'll see. So we went for weeks, months, just like letting my hair grow out just so it can become what they wanted it to be. And I kept saying, hey, y'all, I don't think this is a good idea. 
fast forward to literally like right before opening, like maybe like the week before the show went in, they were like, oh, your hair can't do that. You were telling the truth. Here's a wig. And just then that created problems in itself. You know, it just like, it sucks, you know, wanting, you know, just you want the whole experience. So like when I see my friends having, you know, their makeup plots that look certain way, like their makeup looks gorgeous or their hair gets to look crazy or like gets to have this fantastic style. And I'm just like, they're like, oh, well, what can you do? Like, what can we, how can we make that what that is? You know, just the preparation just isn't there. So it's just, it's so interesting. It's, it's really sad. It's sad, but you know, it's just, it's so the norm. I hear so many people talking about how like there's a lack in this industry and you know, what, what, what can we do? I very much have been thinking on this exact wavelength now for at least a month. And especially because I'm still learning so much, but I want to be able to at least provide the things that I've learned now in the past year. So like, I think it's about honesty and transparency and like this is what I've been doing like maybe I'm making a video about how I do my pin curls in parentheses because like they're really just twists and I like wrap them up and go um or like what brand of tights and undergarments I use or what makeup I use I'm still a long way in the makeup region because no one has taught me how to do it like exactly to the point no one's taught me that yet I'm probably going to have to, and I can't Google it. You can Google theater makeup as much as you want, and no one is going to have brown, tan, dark brown skin. That It's never been the case. I've, I've tried. And I, maybe it's like a community of people coming together just to share their tips and tricks because everyone's skin tone is different. There are so many nuances and complexities to the color of our skin. Not it. No two people have the same shade of skin. Even if it's close, a stage light hits you and girl A is going to look a lot different than girl B. You can't put them in the same thing. Everyone's hair is a personal journey and just a thing that what works for me doesn't work for the next person or might inspire me to do this. Like I can't braid, I can't part, I can't slay these edges for anything, but like I figured out something to get my hair under a wig and I'm willing to share that information and look a little silly with my hair in 500 different directions on YouTube or whatever platform it needs to be. But I wish there was a a documented like resource guide for black performers to be able to look and see, okay, these are the brands that everyone's wearing. Oh, this brand has a shade closer to me. This is the foundation brands and shades people are using. I think I'm close to her color. Let me go try it. I feel like if it was all in a localized, like central place, that that can be really helpful because you're right. It just doesn't exist currently. So that's something that I've definitely wanted to do recently and just like share the few tips and tricks that I've learned for myself in the last year on my platforms. But I think it would be so cool if, a community of people came together and everyone was like, these are my shades. These are my products. This is my makeup plot that I use for myself. This is my hair routine. These are the products I do for wash day on that eight week, like eight show week kind of situation. You know, like I'd love to see something like that. And I totally love to contribute to something like that. 
Yeah, that's actually I we were going to talk about that later, but now I'm just going to jump ahead to that and then I'll go back to something else later, because I think one of the biggest things when it comes to like, how can we fight this is to bring in black and brown people in these spaces, bringing them into these creative teams, into these design teams, Um, because something that I've been a big like I want to say advocate for, but something I've just been saying a lot is that no matter how many degrees a white person gets or how much training they get, they'll never know what it's like to be black and they'll never have that experience under their belt, no matter how many PhDs or whatever. And so if we really want to create a space where black and brown people feel accepted and feel seen in these spaces, you have to involve black and brown people in there. And you have to be willing, um, the white people in those spaces have to be willing to step aside. Um, The costume designer that... um, slash hair designer I worked with most recently she as like I went through my process with her she me and her have really grown to understand one each one another to the point where like for shows she'll come up to me and like if I have a wig on right now or something she'll be like okay so like what style right now like what protective style do you have under that right now so I know what I can work with in terms of do you need another wig do can we do something with your natural hair or like most recently I had to do a film for this project um and it was set in like the 1920s. And so she sent me a picture of what she kind of wanted. And she was like, I've been watching YouTube videos on how to do this. Um, she was like, but like, because my hair is not the same texture as yours, I can't practice on something to figure it out. So she was like, I'm going to show you this. And if we can work together, if I can sit with you and watch you create it, and then you help me find ways to recreate it, um, then I can move forward with it. And that's been a way um, in white spaces that I've been able to reach out people who are willing to be like I don't know where to find brown tights do you and saying yes I go to nude bar or whatever website I use and I (laughs) buy my tights in that color um but I we're talking about like bringing people in the space something that you're doing is you're a diversity and inclusion consultant for brands um and you help um create these conversations so can we talk a little bit about um your work with these certain brands and um, what you found is kind of shocking that they don't know that you would assume is common knowledge and how you've navigated those spaces. Um, I definitely want to preface this as saying, you know, like as a DNI consultant, it's not like I went to school for this. I do most of the majority of my work just speaking from my personal experiences and my truths and bringing my stories to the table to help enlighten individuals who don't know anything about the Black experience. So when I originally started working with LaDuca Shoes, I reached out to them because as a customer and um, someone who loves and respects their product so much, I was looking at their BLM responses back in June and July, and I was disappointed and unimpressed. And as someone who's a part of this family of dancers who wears these shoes, you hope that the brands and organizations that you purchase from and that you love also love you back. So I wrote them a letter and I explained, I think I can help you. I think that your team needs a Black voice in particular at a time like right now. I have experience in marketing. I have a practically a business degree and I'm a performer. I know every aspect of this company from the business standpoint and from the performing standpoint, let me help you. And they responded positively and were like, yes, we'd love for you to join our team. 
And so one of the first things I helped them with was their launch of the Leduca palette, which is their four new skin tone shades, um, tan, light brown, brown, and dark brown that are now available in all of their stock shoe styles at no additional cost. So that was the first thing that I helped them with. And there've been so many communication moments where I have explained something and they didn't even know it was an issue. Like when I mentioned that beige is white nude and that any shoe that you make in beige needs to also be made in all of your palette shades. Otherwise you are excluding all of the POC people who buy these shoes. There was this light bulb moment where they were like, oh, we didn't know that beige represents white nude at this point. And so there was just that slight disconnect, which could create a huge mountain of issues coming towards exclusion and leaving people out and making it, it an issue where I just explained, like, this is how people perceive this, especially people of color. If you're going to make something in beige, which across products, whether they're tights, shoes, undergarments, beige, nude, usually means white nude. So we're always looking for alternatives. If you're going to offer these different shades, we have to offer them for everybody if we don't want to be exclusionary. So that was, I think, one of my biggest like, oh, whoa, you didn't realize moments. Um, I've also brought that up when it comes to elastics, especially for the special edition and commemorative shoes. Um, if they're made and beige or with beige elastics and those are things that you can't really customize and change then I know at least for me when I shop and look at those things if it's going to be a beige elastic I'm probably not going to buy it I don't like looking like five different shades of nude that doesn't match me like I just won't do it whether it's a dance shoe or a dress with a quote-unquote nude underlining like I'm not about to look ashy or pasty or not match so you alienate an entire customer base when you make shoes with elastics that are only beige. So these are a few of the things that I've brought up when working with them. But I'm always trying to share my stories and what it means to me as a performer, as a Black female performer, to have companies recognize and design with my skin tone, my complexion in mind. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. I I remember when like cause that's like that's the first thing you do when you enter like musical theater trash fandom. It's like if you want to perform, you're like, oh well you have to get Laducas. You have to. Um and I remember for like freshman year of college, I asked for them for my birthday and they were so much money because it was right when they came out came out with the cinnamon Laduca. Mm -hmm. But it was still like $100 or more than the base cost. And they're already $200. And so I was, I remember like it was such a big conversation with my parents. They're like, why do you need to spend $300 on shoes? They're like, I'm looking at shoes on the website. There's ones for like $195. Why can't we get those? It's like because they're not, they don't offer that in my shade. I can't compete with that. Um, and something as small as that just to feel seen, especially when you're in these like dance calls and they're like, okay, every girl bring in a nude shoe. And that doesn't exist for us. So it, so then you have to go up to them and be like, so for me, do you want beige or do you want black? Because we can't really comp like we or we can buy a 
$300 pair of Leducas if we had the funds for that. Um, but then they might get specific about like, we want T-strap or we want like things that we can't control. Um, and I remember like that being one of the first times I realized that I was going to be not at a permanent disadvantage, but I was always going to have to start from a little bit behind the people around me when it came to this industry. Um, so I was really glad to see that at least Leduca is trying. Of course, it's something that they should have been doing a long time ago, but at least they are now trying so that like little girls that look like me that are entering the theater industry now, they can just buy the shoes. They don't have to think about it. It's definitely a step. And something that you said that really sticks out to me is compete like no you cannot compete when the items you need to be on a level playing field just don't simply exist like one of the first moments when i realized oh i need a leduca skirt or a leduca shoe and a lululemon skirt and like a bright neon bra to look like everyone else because if you don't look put quote unquote, put together. If you don't have the perception that you know what you're doing already, you're going to be dismissed the minute you walk into a room. Because there are 300 of you walking into a room at the same time. Like there are so many instances where your talent can't shine first. You can be the most talented person in the room, but if you don't look put together, which is such a privilege and such a luxury when the items you need to do that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars on top of how expensive training is. Like it's just a huge barrier to entry is the financial costs and it always disproportionately affects black and brown people. But the fact that you can't even get the same shoes as somebody else as easily, that that product did not exist until 2020 is, I'm, I'm super grateful and thankful for this step. I know that I was super duper lucky that, that when I walked into the LaDuca store for the first time ever, someone's leftover like customized shoes just happened to fit and I didn't have to pay the customization fee. And I cried in the store and explaining to the white salesperson that this literally doesn't happen for people like me. Like you just saved your girl like 50% of extra on a shoe. So, and I feel like that experience too is why I felt like theater was so inclusive. I've been pancaking point shoes for 20 years at that point. Well, not 20 years, like 10. And there's, those didn't come out until everyone signed petitions to force dance brands to offer brown shoes because only the brown girls have to pancake their shoes. You buy the $100 point shoes and then you have to buy foundation to pancake on top of that. Like it becomes expensive to be black. To just do the things that your white counterparts do, you have to pay extra to compete to even yeah. be considered equal. So I think that being able to get so lucky to find a, a brown Leduca that matched my skin color without having to pay a customization price when that was a thing. It made me want everyone to have that experience. I shouldn't have to cry in the store. This should just be how it is. So I'm, I'm very glad for the palette. I, I even hosted a, a palette gift away on my Instagram a few, like a week ago or a few weeks ago, just because I, on top of advocating and being a voice at the table for our community. I feel like redistribution of wealth is super important too. These shoes are expensive. And the community came together to raise enough money to donate them so that someone who maybe would not have been able to afford them could have them. And I think that's huge. And I feel like in addition to 
being able to be a voice, I need to do everything in my power to help redistribute wealth, be a voice, provide resources and guidance in any way that I can. Because all of this stuff is just so expensive. So expensive. So expensive. And we are not rich. We are just simply not rich. The thing that the thing about that is what you were saying, like it costs money to be black. And then statistically, black and brown people are already at a socioeconomic disadvantage. So we already are starting out with less money and then we have to spend more money than our white counterparts like that. This is like sometimes like some days I'm like, ah, organize like politics and like we need a system. But then other days I'm like anarchy because this is ridiculous. The system doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. So being a black woman specifically, um, how have you fought against the stereotypes and the microaggressions um, that come with being in the performance industry and in theater, musical theater and in the dance world? Cause it's like one thing to be black in this industry, which is a problem in itself, but like specifically the problems that I find black women specifically have to encounter are their own brand of mess. Hearing that question, one of the words that stood out the most was fight. And I feel like I myself need to be better about fighting for myself. I feel like there are a lot of instances when I internalize everything and I go silent. And I, I'm kind of the type of person who takes everything in and then I'm like, oh, I can figure this out on my own. But years and years of racism, sexism, microaggressions, like you can only take care of yourself so much, I guess. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and, and dance, especially being a black ballerina, I, I kept a lot to myself. And I think that was also because I was often the only person in the room. There would be instances when I'd be the only black dancer at an entire summer intensive. And it's not like I can go up to my friend and be like, girl, did you hear what he said? It's like, no. Oh, they said that to me in front of a room full of white people. And now I have to sit here with it that my butt's too big. Or, oh, my teacher said something about my hair. And of course, no other girl in the room is going to understand because they want a French twist. Bam, they got a French twist. They want a cinnamon bun. Bam, there's a cinnamon bun. And for me, it's it, it does what it does. And now people are making comments and I have no one to talk to about that necessarily. And I sit with it by myself. My parents are also not artists at all. So it's not like I can go. I mean, there's definitely racism, sexism, microaggressions in every field on the planet. But when it comes to art and also because dance and theater is so much about body and self, that when your body is your instrument and your self is your artistic tool, it gets personal. Um, so I, I wish that I would do more than, than go silent in so many moments, but I also feel like that silence is because I have no one to share my discomfort or my literal oppression with in that moment. So that's something that I hope that I can work towards being better about fighting for myself, standing up for myself when racist 
and sexist things happen. But definitely being a black woman in this industry is, it's tough. And I know that I have, I still have some deep seated self-hate and some subconscious anti-black sentiment that has just kind of been embedded in the way that we all have been raised um, to the point where it'll be like, oh, okay, at least I'm not the darkest girl in the room. Like, that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible that I would ever think that. And it whoop, goes straight across my mind. And I, I'm always like, whoa, like, why did you do that? Oh, because your mom's constantly telling you like, oh, well, you're high yellow, Selena. You look mixed, Selena. And I'm like, mom, I don't. But that's her deep-seated anti-Black sentiments that she was raised with. Like colorism and uh, amongst Black people too is just rampant. And you unfortunately end up getting raised with some of it. I also remember being told by my teachers like, oh, you know, since there aren't even that many Black people like maybe auditioning for something, just be the better black person. And so sometimes I get to an audition and I look around the room and I'm like, I always count just for like data purposes. Like, oh, there were four of us today. Like, where are we? But I, I think that there's also kind of that subconscious. Well, my dance teacher when I was 12 told me be the better person. So now here I am scouting out everybody. And it's like, these are my friends. These are my family. Why am I directly competing with them? It's like, we've been pitted against each other because they're only going to pick one. So you have to be the better one. And I think that's just so messed up. And then that also comes into like, well, who's wearing Laducas and is decked in Lululemon and has clearly had thousands of dollars of training and education put into them. Like, the advantages get stacked up against you and you are supposed to be, this is your friends, these are your family, this is your community. And now you're out here thinking in colorist and, and anti-black ways that you don't even have any control over in that moment because it's so deep seated and so rooted into the way that you were raised and educated. So I'm even guilty of probably being microaggressive in some sense, even if it's in my own head, but these are just like the internal dialogue that I have with myself when I walk into a room and it's so messed up and I'm always catching it and being like, oh, girl, don't do that. But it's probably the case for many people and we're all re-educating ourselves and we're all taking note of the things that we're doing wrong and working towards fixing them. And I'm a work in progress too, in that sense. That is, let's talk about this for a second, because when we're talking about discrimination and bias in the theater industry, it's like, yes, white people, be better, do better, please do better, be better. But there's also so much anti-blackness that black people mm. have been in, like, it, it's instilled into us that it's become our source of reason, like what you were saying, like the amount of cattle calls or like large auditions that I've been to where like, for comfort and for data, you're like, okay, there's three black girls in here. Of the three black girls, two of them are sopranos. One of them is an alto. Um, she seems she has the same audition song as me, but I can belt better than her because I just heard her warm up in the corner. So I'm okay because if they only cast one black girl, I think it could be me. And it's like, why are we competing with when there's only three of us in the room? Why are we choosing? One, why are we choosing to compete with anyone in the room at all? But specifically the people who have probably gone through the same amount of like turmoil and mess to get to that spot. 
but it's like in like my family I have, I have a really big sports family so like we're competitive by nature anyway and the amount of times that it just makes so like you instantly you can't sometimes you don't even catch yourself you just see the other black people in the room you're like or there's like you're auditioning for something where there's like a black track or there's like one or two black roles and so you know that like if you're in a room full of all black guys then we're all going for the same role we have to be there's no way that these casting directors like will have the creativity to see that we can all somehow be a part of this piece the how do we what are ways we can um not only like promote the ideas of like working on making sure our allies are backing us but creating systems to like have open discussions about the anti-blackness in the black community. Not even that, but like colorism, the um, sexism, um, homophobia, transphobia, like all of that is in the black community. Like take away any other race or any other demographic. Those are still huge issues. All stemming from white supremacy, kind of, in its own way, but still issues within our own community that we have to be responsible for. Sure. Um... I know that like what I try to do in many instances is befriend the four people I counted today because I'm not going to go after my friend like that. Like I'm going to root for my friend the same that I would hope my friend roots for me. And I mean, that you're right. You cannot compare. You should not be comparing or competing with anybody in the room. And there, I don't ever feel like when I go to an audition with a friend, I'm directly competing with a friend. And so I always try. And then also it just helps build community to befriend the five same black girls you see at every cattle call audition and lift each other up, support one another. I would never think of a friend the way that I end up sometimes thinking about like, oh, well, I sing better than you. Like I would never say that to my friend unless I was like, yo girl, I sing better. Like, you know, like, if it's someone I don't know, it's so different than I know you. These are our names. These are our pronouns. This is our coffee order when we go stand outside at 5 a.m. together. Like it builds up camaraderie so that we're not competing with one another in that sense. But I wish there were like, I wish I had an answer for a better and bigger solution to addressing the issues that we in our own community end up acting upon. But yeah, 100%, they stem from white supremacy. And of course, the evil white people want us like fighting with one another, but I I wish I had a better answer. I, I can't wait to see that happen when it does. See, I don't either. And I'm so guilty of, I'm when I tell you, I am so guilty of being that guy who literally like will go into the call and like we'll see the two like the two um black guys and you know it so many things run through my mind oh he's you know he has more muscles than me because it's also hard being a bigger black guy in this industry because you know you don't see that you really i don't see that like there's a maybe i can count on my two hands how many bigger black guys i know in this industry and they're all like, you know, depicted as the same type, you know, always the funny, you know, uh, but you know, it, it gets hard and, you know, I always walk in and I'm always like, okay, he has bigger muscles than I do. Um, he has, you know, has the Lulu has, you know, the Laducas on, you know, 
Corey Barrow don't got that. Corey Barrow is just, that's not, I talked about it earlier. I was like, my friend just got a job at Lulu. And I was like, I might just now finally get my first piece of Lulu. I can be like that. You know, I've been, you know, studying musical theater for, you know, just graduated college. And I'm like, just now, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you sadly have to think about. You know, I, I don't know if it's a matter of like, you know, seeing more of us in the room to where it becomes like the norm. Like you just don't have to think about it. Like, I don't see, that's just, it's so hard. I just, cause it's just, it's so rare. Like you literally, like I literally go into so many calls where I will see less than 10 people that are, that look like me. And so I, like, I am that guy who will literally walk up to you and say, Hey, or like more than likely I've seen you on social media before or already like know of you. So like it'll be one of those things where I'll walk up to you. You're gonna be my new best friend today. Like we're gonna get through this day together. But like it's I don't know. Like, and I wanted to come like now. Like I need that now. Like when this I I've seen recently a lot on social media. People are asking, um, when the industry comes back, do you think it'll be more inclusive, more you know, for people that look like us? And I, I want to think. There's part of me that's like yes. Like, at least they're gonna like think about it more. Like. They might not act upon it, but they're going to think, oh, what are people going to say if I don't, you know, if there's not more diversity? But I don't, I honestly, I don't think it's going to be dramatically different. Like, I just don't think we're going to, like, when Broadway comes back, these newer shows, I just don't think we're going to see more, you know, that same more than two or three Black people in the show. Like, I just, and so it's crazy, just going on a a tangent here, um, I love going to see shows that are predominantly black, literally like shows full of black people because I leave feeling completely, I will never forget, never ever forget when I saw Ain't Too Proud in previews. And when I, like, I've by that point I would seen literally dozens of Broadway shows, dozens, but it was something about seeing Ain't Too Proud, a show full of black, black men at that leading a show and it was already like the stuff I, I grew up on the Temptations movie like that, like that just was me. So like it just it felt like home. But then just like, I don't know, it just it was like, I literally by the end by Otis's last song. I can't remember what the name of the song is, but I literally stood up like I just was so worked up. Like I was already on the edge of this like edge of my seat the entire show. But by the end, I literally couldn't do anything but stand up. And I feel so bad for the people who stood behind me because by that point they had to get up to see. But it was just it just it's something about seeing show, you know, it just it's already great to see shows with like the few black people. Cause you're like, you're like, Oh, I'm following you the whole show. Like I can see you, but like to see a show full of, it's just a different experience that I just is, you know, there's really no words for how I feel. It's just, it's, I guess joy is like the word I want to get at, but you know, it's just, it feels so good to see a show full of people that look like me. And sing like me, and dance like me, have hair like me, you know, dress like me. It's just, it's, it's a good feeling, and I need to see more of that. So I don't know if you're out here listening, if you're listening to this good old podcast right here, and you have Mr. Broadway, if Mr. Broadway is listening to this (laughs) to this right now, and you're behind that table, and you just, if you're, you know, if you have to think twice about it, don't. Let's let's see more of me. Let's see more of this brown, this good old brown skin. Let's see some more of it, because we need it. People like me, we need to see that. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. I've said enough. I've said enough. No, oh, I'm obsessed with all of that. I was literally crying listening to Ain't Too Proud just last night. It's... The show... 
like I literally like I'm so mad that I saw it when I did and I had to leave New York at like days later because I would have seen it two more times to literally I would have seen it two, like literally I could have seen it every day that week I, I left the theater saying I could see this show every day this week and I'll never forget my friend Nasia was in the show and I'll never forget her coming to the, like coming out and like me talking to her and literally like still not having the words like I like and that rarely happens when I see a Broadway show. Like it just, there might be certain parts I'm like gagged by, but like leaving a whole show, just like, holy. The only other time that I could think about it was another mainly black show. I saw Motown, the national tour when it came through to North Carolina. And right after their, um, their closer of act one is what's going on. And just hearing them do that. I literally called my mom like at intermission, like freaking out. I was like, you have to get me a ticket to come back tomorrow. She did it. She did. She knew how much it meant. And she literally, I think actually it was her ticket because her friend was in the show and she gave me her ticket to see the show the next day because she knew how important it was to see people that looked, I think that was the first time that I saw people that looked like me on the stage. And just, those are literally the experiences that I can't wait to, you know, grow up and tell my children about or like tell other, you know, younger people about because it means something. It means, it means. It has to be like, it has to feel like, like when white people see like Mean Girls or Dear Evan Hansen, it has to feel like that. Like, cause I think the thing about Ain't Too Proud is like, it's not just black people on a stage presenting a stereotype similar to like a hairspray thing where it's like written by white people, mm-hmm. but black people are like this chick. It's like, we, it's something that we grew up with. Like every black household grew up with the temptations. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know it, you can quote the movie. Like those are things, you know, so it's, Something like Ain't Too Proud, something like Motown, it feels mm-hmm. that we're not, it doesn't feel like we're on this stage for any other reason than to just be heard. Um, and like, you just like, when I like Ain't Too Proud, I just felt like seen. Like I looked yeah. at the album and like, it's such a, especially for the black musical theater artists, I think it's such a combination of all that we are. Cause like um, a lot of times you kind of have to pick. Um, like, am I going to be the black version of myself or am I going to be the musical theater yes. version of myself today? Yes. And that album, like, just, like, the little changes that each of them make, like, Jeremy Ephraim, like, the little things, it's, like, so very, like, it's so black and it's so, like, everything that you know about The Temptations. But then as a performer, you hear the technique and you hear all of the work that they put into it as a musical theater performer. And it's like, it just feels like such like a melt, like a melt of all that we are, which I think is just why it feels so good when I hear it. I, I'm also trying to find the right words. It's like joy and authenticity and being seen and feeling heard. And it just being like, so purely black and it's so good. And then like, Everyone in the audience is vibing. Like we all know what's happening. We all know what's about to go down. Everyone's having a party. It's fantastic. I will say it's kind of crazy because you know those um, jukebox musicals, as they call them, are just so popular these days. So like seeing a show like Beautiful, where Carol King was like really big within the white community, that sort of deal. But then seeing a show like uh, Motown or Ain't Too Proud, it's crazy because first at Ain't Too Proud, I'd seen the most black people in the audience that I've ever seen at a show ever in my life. And it was just so crazy just, like, seeing the reactions. And I hate that I thought this way, but, like, seeing reactions of the Black community versus the white community during the show. Because for the white community, it was very much, like, almost concert style, you know. they, you know. But for me, for, like, the rest of the Black community seeing the show, it felt like almost like you hear these songs and you think, 
what was I doing as a little boy to hear this song for the first time? And like, what was I, you know, this like brought me back home, you know, like it literally like made me like call my like grandparents. I literally called my grandparents who have never seen a Broadway show. And I was like, y'all need to get to New York to come see Ain't Too Proud. I was like, just like, cause they grew up with that. Like they literally were teenage, my age when, you know, that music was going on. So I was like, they would thrive off of this, but you know, it just was crazy seeing the difference or at least just imagine what the difference between how we felt versus, you know, but we're all united in one, you know, just like loving like this story, temptations, this music, but like it was something about being black and like reliving this story um, right in front of your yeah. eyes that just was very just like refreshing very like and honestly it motivated it motivated me to come back to school and like kill the game I was like all right let's do this because I need to get back I need to graduate get back and be an ain't too proud because if this is how I feel just seeing the show I can't I can only imagine how I'd feel being in the show you know yeah for sure I saw it like during Christmas time last year like this time last year and I we had a little bit of a break during our Hershey run. So like I came to New York, we took my grandma and my mama to go see it. My grandma was vibing. Um, and I, I felt like I was the only black person in all of Hershey, Pennsylvania, that entire three months. And it was so alienating. It, I mean, I know I've grown up and been educated and trained in so many predominantly white institutions, but then to work and be, it was so different to work in a completely white space where I was the only black person and I went and I saw this show and I said, no one can, all those microaggressions that get said in the dressing room, like bouncing off of me with this, like, ain't you proud shield because there is something magical happening on Broadway and like, I'm going to be a part of it. I'm, I love it. And like, this is why I do this. Yeah. Like maybe one day I will at least have one other black person in my cast or even better be in an entirely black cast and not doing something like, like you mentioned hairspray, like white savior complex, like doing something authentic and pure and so in home and my heart. Shout out, shout out to black Broadway. <laughs> Just shout out to black Broadway while we're here. Shout out. Specifically black Broadway. Um, earlier, Corey, you were talking about like um, asking, like, do we think Broadway, do we think Broadway is going to change much after this? I saw something uh, on off book podcast, which is like, Broadway Black, everything they do, I'm obsessed with. Um, and Drew said something, basically, he was like, they were like, do you think all of this was performative? Do you think all the things that, like, the Broadway League or anybody on these shows are doing are performative? And he was like, they're performers. They're like, yes. did you not think that these performers were not going to give you a show and you were yes. going to believe it? Yes. Um, and that, like, it sent me. But my point to this is, Essentially, things might not change in the way that people were really excited for back in June. Um, and so as we prepare to re-enter this field, Selena, if you were like talking to maybe your younger self or a young black girl who was like just now like discovering theater and she really wants to go into this industry, what is something you would tell that young girl or tell yourself before you um, entered this world? Um, ooh. I'd have to remind myself that I am beautiful just the way I am. Absolutely drop dead gorgeous stunning. Come on. Period. Period. You are so much stronger than you think you are because you're gonna take a lot of shit and it's inevitable, but I don't wanna say you'll be better for it because no, nobody should have to deal with it, period. But like, 
think about the how that I don't like the way that that's sounding. I don't like that it should build character because no, nobody should be oppressed and have to do this much to compete or be even be considered on the same level as your white counterpart. It sucks and you will get through it. And it is a testament to how strong and resilient and powerful you are, how valued you are. Yeah. There has to be so much self-respect because so many people aren't going to give it to you. You have to do it for yourself too. Yeah, really, really get to know yourself because you're going to be your, your number one cheerleader, your number one supporter. You're the person who's going to, at most of the time, pick yourself up at the end of the day because this is, this is the body, the skin that you've lived in for your entire life and will continue to. So learn to love it, learn to respect it and know that it's worth respecting. It's worth so much more than anyone could ever even tell you. Because it, I hate to be pessimistic, but I agree that I don't think there will be these huge drastic changes that we were so excited for back in June. And June feels like it was so long ago and it's still gonna only be longer at this point. So right. I think we need to definitely see who said and did what and remember that and keep pushing. Yeah. Yes. That was it. Okay. So we're going to close it out. Um, so we, I just want to get into it. Let's, let's just talk about our favorite current obsessions. It could be um, a song, an artist, a book, uh, something you saw on TV, a Netflix show, just give us, give the kids out there your current obsession so we can all get into it. Okay. Well, I love TikTok yes. so much. Yes. And I love the Wendy Williams Native New Yorker sound. Oh, oh, so much. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. The singer. I love that show. <laughs> I love that show. Big fan. So good. So good. I was just like, Wendy, like pop off in your lip costume. I need to see what this is. So I started watching it and it saved me. I also started watching it during election week. So like I really needed it at that time. But uh masked singer. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay, I'll go next. Um, I think I have two. Um, so the first one is, um, anyone that knows me knows I'm a big fan of cookie skillets that they serve at like chilies for dessert. I've gotten, because none of them are like really open here in North Carolina or at least in Greensboro where I am. And I've gotten in the habit of making my own versions of them. And so I literally go buy like the, is it like Pillsbury? Um, like little like cookies and I literally will like cook them, but like don't cook them all the way. Like they do the cookie skillet, like cook them like, you know, where you get like the little like hard crust, but in the middle it's like gooey. But then there's a place back home called Yum Yum's um, Hot Dogs and Ice Cream, which is really popular here. And I'll get strawberry ice cream and put that on top of there. And when I tell you it is a magical, I mean, magical taste. I mean, magical. So that's part one. But part two, um, <laughs> for some reason, back to TikTok, um, there was a, a, like a Broadway 
account that came through and it just like will pick up different um i guess also let's hear for the choice on instagram shout out so let's hear for the choice it's like an instagram that like will pull up random like um you know options that actors have taken like during shows that like wouldn't normally be seen during that show and it reminded me that brandy played roxy in chicago and so I literally, I was like, I need to find more videos because I used to be obsessed with the fact that she was in it and like loved her videos, but I found a bootleg um, of her entire performance in Chicago and the options that she took as Roxy, first being like one of the few ro- like black Roxies, if, I don't know if she's the only, but I know she's one of few, if so. Um, and just hearing her take her spin on, you know, what we normally see as a white woman, it is, man... Bring Brandy back to Broadway because she did she did that. She did that. Yeah. So yeah, those are my current obsessions. Yeah. Elena go. I'm like I was like looking through my phone because I was like, what are my current obsessions? Um Okay, so I'm gonna do just like maybe two or three. Maybe two, maybe three. So first of all, music. Um my friend introduced me to John Legend and Cynthia Arrivo's cover of God Only Knows. Yes. Yes. And that when I tell you when I first heard it, like, I don't know how, but it broke my heart in the best way. And like, it makes me so happy and so sad at the same time. Um, and it's just so beautifully done. I love when two singers who can sing really well, just get together. Uh-huh. It's my, um, my favorite, my favorite thing. What is something I'm, a, what am I, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with, um, I'm obsessed with, the Terrell show yes. on YouTube. Yes. He's like a black entertainment. He brings a lot of singers on and he plays like song association. Like he gives you a word and you have 10 seconds to sing a song that comes to your head about whatever that's like, whatever that song means to you. Um, and he's just like, it's something about um, just watching like black people enjoy themselves um, without feeling like they have to censor themselves or diminish themselves. Um, yeah, and he had an episode with Coco Jones, who, um, some people know, some people don't, but Coco Jones, honestly, she is, she should, to where she, it's colorism, I'm convinced, because she should have had the level of Zendaya's success, there's no reason, she was built in the same Disney mechanism, conformula that Zendaya was, and we never heard from her again, she also could have been on Broadway, I won't get into that one. It's a subject. Um, but like that girl specifically, like she just is so talented and she was on like one of the most recent episodes um, and I'm obsessed with her. And so, yeah, it's just any, any place or podcast or video or movie where I can just see black people being unapologetically black for themselves. Like they're not doing it for like a white program or like something else like where it's written by black people produced for black people money is going to black people anything like that i am 100 percent down period all right selena thank you so much for sitting here with us and listening to us talk about crazy <laughs> stuff all day <laughs> i love that um, before we go tell the people where they can find you what you're up to social media all that good yes. stuff. yes yeah so my website is selenarobinson.com and then my instagram i have to literally double check i'm pretty sure it it is for sure selena robinson underscore 97 and i love instagram i practically live on instagram 
please feel free to shoot me a message if you have any questions, comments, concerns. I'm like always super down to have these types of conversations. And I, I feel like I have a lot of like emotional capacity to deal with difficult conversations or questions that people want answers for. So like, I'm also just down to talk to anybody who wants to talk. So yes, <laughs> those are my two um, platforms that I use the most. Yeah. Work. Ah, thank you so much for joining yes. us. We're going to let you go. Live your life. Be blessed. <laughs> Guys, this was really awesome. See you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. You just listened to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. If you like Fourth Wall, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. You can also follow our journey on Instagram at This Is Fourth Wall and on Facebook at Fourth Wall. And if you have any questions, ideas for new episodes, thoughts, want to submit a letter that we can read aloud, or just want to say hey, email us at fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com. That is fourthwallthepodcast at gmail.com. All right, y'all. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing week. And we will see you next time for some good, I mean, good conversation on Fourth Wall, the podcast. Bye, y'all.